Welcome. You're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hello, welcome to this series of readings from Discover Magazine, a presentation of Airs LA. Today's article is from a series of articles called Vital Signs that appears in each bi-monthly issue of the magazine. It's written by Douglas G. Adler and appears in the March-April issue. The article is written in the first person. Not so mellow yellow. His sickly skin color, poor appetite, and significant weight loss all screamed pancreatic cancer. What else could it be? The buzz of my pager alerted me that the emergency department needed a gastroenterologist. Even from 20 feet away, I could tell that the patient, James, was deeply jaundiced. His skin and eyes were both an unhealthy shade of yellow. He also looked thin and sickly, in a way that suggested he was chronically ill. After I introduced myself, James, a retired aerospace engineer in his 70s, told me his story. For about a month, he had been feeling weak and run down, with a poor appetite. He would eat a few bites and, despite feeling hungry, be unable to continue. Such complaints are common in cancer patients of his age and serve as alarm symptoms to doctors. James also had a gnawing pain in his stomach that worsened when he ate. This, in turn, made him eat even less. His wife, Ellen, who was at his side, told me that he had lost about 30 pounds. He even had to buy new pants, as his old ones were literally falling off his waist. When I asked James if the pain while eating went anywhere else in his body, he told me it felt like it shot straight through to his back. James was describing a concerning constellation of symptoms. Everything brought a single unifying diagnosis to mind, pancreatic cancer. Despite decades of research into better medicines and surgical techniques, around 90 to 95% of patients with pancreatic cancer succumb to the disease within five years of being diagnosed. The pancreas makes enzymes that do the work of digesting your food so your body can absorb it after you eat. The organ also makes many hormones, such as insulin, which regulates the body's blood sugar levels. Pancreatic cancer often leads to jaundice when a tumor encases and obstructs the bile duct, which carries bile from the liver to the intestines. Normally, bile helps break down and absorb the fat in our diet. But when the duct gets blocked, the bile backs up into the bloodstream and changes the color of a patient's skin and eyes, even their urine, which takes on a dark, tea-colored hue. Abdominal pain that radiates to the back is also classic for pancreatic cancer, as are weight loss and poor appetite. Other illnesses can cause these symptoms, but I was pretty sure we had the diagnosis pegged. I ordered a CT scan of James' abdomen, and it confirmed my fears. A three-centimeter mass in the pancreas appeared to be obstructing the bile duct a distressingly common finding among patients with pancreatic cancer. James was admitted, and the next day I performed two endoscopic procedures on him. First, 
I inserted a stent into his obstructed bile duct to keep it open and allow the backed-up bile to drain, resolving his jaundice, and took a tissue biopsy from the inside of the bile duct. Next, I used an endoscope with a built-in ultrasound machine to look at the mass in the pancreas and take multiple additional biopsies of the lesion itself. The mass looked somewhat atypical for pancreatic cancer, but it was concerning nonetheless. Afterward, I told James and Ellen to be prepared for the very real possibility that the biopsies would show cancer. Upon hearing the news, James responded with stoic silence. Ellen became red-faced and tearful. Both exchanged worried glances. But when the results were available, I was surprised to see that they did not, in fact, show cancer, only benign tissue. Still suspicious, I reviewed the results with James and told him that while a positive biopsy confirms cancer, a negative result like this doesn't necessarily rule it out. I told him that we needed to repeat the biopsy. By that point, resigned to his fate, James listlessly agreed. The next day, I repeated the same procedures, including biopsies of the inside of the bile duct and the mass itself. Several days later, the biopsy results returned, again showing only benign tissue. A quick phone call to the pathologist reassured me that the slides had been read correctly. It seemed likely that cancer wasn't the culprit. Chronic pancreatitis, a condition often caused by heavy alcohol use, is known to sometimes mimic pancreatic cancer and is itself a risk factor for the disease. It can also cause many of the same symptoms that James was experiencing. Still, his CT scan certainly did not look like he had chronic pancreatitis. Pouring over it one more time, I saw that James had a few subtle lesions in both kidneys that hadn't been noticed by the radiologist interpreting his films. Kidney lesions in the presence of a pancreatic mass pointed to a different diagnosis altogether, a condition known as autoimmune pancreatitis. As the name suggests, autoimmune pancreatitis is not cancer at all. Rather, it's a disorder in which the body's own immune system attacks healthy tissue by mistake. Autoimmune pancreatitis is relatively rare, and despite its name, often affects other organs besides the pancreas, frequently the kidneys. It can also produce lesions that can closely mimic malignant tumors, obstructing the bile duct and closely replicating the signs and symptoms of pancreatic cancer. A critical distinction, however, is that autoimmune pancreatitis can be treated with medications. When I presented all of this to James, he was skeptical. I had made my worries about cancer so clear that he had a hard time believing it could be anything else. I suggested blood tests to measure the level of certain antibodies which can suggest autoimmune pancreatitis, and he agreed. Sure enough, the level was markedly elevated. As with many autoimmune diseases, the treatment for James's condition includes medications to reduce the activity of the immune system. This regimen sounds simple, but in practice it can be tricky. 
Too little reduction in activity and the patient does not get better. Too much puts the patient at risk for infections, as the weakened immune system may not be able to respond to invading bacteria or viruses. I started James on a course of high-dose steroids to, quote, turn down the volume, unquote, on his immune system, planning to taper the dose over the coming weeks. One month later, James came to my clinic for a follow-up. I almost didn't recognize him. He had gained nearly 20 pounds. His appetite was healthy, and his pain was gone. His energy had also returned. What's more, a CT scan showed that his pancreatic lesion had disappeared, as had the spots on his kidneys, solidifying the diagnosis, as pancreatic cancer does not respond to steroids. A few weeks later, I was able to remove the stent from his bile duct. Patients with autoimmune pancreatitis are at high risk for relapse, so I plan to see James back periodically. Not everyone with a chronic autoimmune disease would consider themselves fortunate, but with pancreatic cancer as the alternative, James was definitely one lucky man. Dr. Douglas G. Adler is a gastroenterologist and director of the Center for Advanced Therapeutic Endoscopy in Denver. The cases described in Vital Signs are real, but names and certain details have been changed. My name is Brian Lemon. Thank you for listening, and stay curious.